be in Hebrews chapter 11. If you got your Bibles or maybe you got the app, you can go ahead and open up the notes and get ready. But Hebrews chapter 11, and also we're going to be in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, all the way through Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verse 1 and 2. And uh, how many of you were here last week? Do something more. Y'all remember that? Do something more. And for those of you who were not here, that's what I figured. This is what you got to do is your homework, okay? Sometime this week, you need to go back. You need to listen to last week's message. It was do something more. That's, that was the, the name of it. Because today is kind of like part two of that. Okay, now they'll, they'll, they kind of go back and forth so you can listen to one and, and it won't spoil it for the next, okay? But, uh, but this is kind of like do something more part two. And do something more, it was basically about Paul talking to the church and, and there was a lot of Jews and a lot of people that were, had, had begun to believe in Jesus and who were kind of struggling with some things and, and they started kind of going back to what they grew up on. And he was trying to remind them of some things. And uh, one of the things he said was, you should be eating meat, but you're still drinking milk. You know, he's like, you're, you're kind of like infants in the faith and it's time for you to do something more. It's time for you to, to move forward in your faith to where, you know, you don't need people teaching you, but you're teaching people. You've been around this thing for a while. It's time to step up. And so we talked about that and, and we talked about doing something more, not getting stuck, okay? And today we're gonna kind of take that a step further because Paul he lays out the way that believers, how we live our lives. And, and he says there's something different about the way that we live our lives, the way that we do something, okay? We, we operate differently. And, uh, and as, as believers, we operate differently, differently than those, those who do not believe in Jesus, right? Our lives are just based on different things. And really the, the key component is the fact that we operate by faith. That's really what today, today's message is. It's, it's entitled, By Faith. Everything that we do is by faith. And then what he starts doing is he starts unpacking what that looks like. Because how many of you have ever heard, you know, we live by faith, not by sight, right? We, 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 we operate in faith. And sometimes, again, those words become, um, they just become a word. And then we just throw them around and, and, and we don't really think about what it actually means, okay, to operate in faith. So we're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And uh, in the NLT, it says this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. All right. But I want to read it out of the ESV today because I like the way that it's, it's really laid out. It says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If I could put it this way, uh, it talks about hope and it talks about faith and, and hope is really the expectation of the future and faith is the conviction of that belief in that hope, okay? And uh, again, we, we put around these words, we throw around these words and we don't really think about what they mean. So for me, I always think about ways that I can illustrate sort of complex things in a very, very simple way and uh, mostly because I'm super simplistic, really not that intelligent. So it's got to be pretty simple for me. You guys must be really smart because you're like, I understand all of these eternal things completely. Well, I'm not that bright. So I think about, how, I mean, what is the difference between faith and hope? What does it look like? What does this assurance looks like? And uh, so I tend to think about things that I talk about a lot. And I talk a lot about sports, okay? I, I, I watch ESPN, I watch Sports Center. Uh, you know, I'm watching these teams. And, uh, and, you know, recently, obviously, the World Series happened. So, I mean, come on. I can't watch baseball the whole year till the end because it's just too many games. I don't understand the point. 
It's out of control. Playoffs start, I start watching, right? So, so I'm watching the playoffs and, and, and then, you know, now it's football season and I'm a, I'm a Tiger fan, I'm an LSU Tiger fan. And so, uh, so that's, a, that's just a roller coaster in and of itself right there. So y'all be praying for me with that. And uh, as an LSU fan, I always hope that they win. I consistently hope that the Tigers win. And if you ask me, do you, do, do you hope that the Tigers win? I would say, of course, absolutely. If, if you ask me, do you hope that the Tigers, that they would beat Bama every year for all of eternity? I would say, absolutely. Don't most of us in this room wish that all the time, right? They're so aggravating, so annoying. Last night watching the game, I was at a friend's house, and uh, if you watched Bama and State, yeah. Uh, whenever he kicked the field goal and it hit the goalpost there, about three minutes left, literally, I was taking laps in my buddy's living room. He's a Bama fan. And uh, just, ugh, I was so hopeful, so hopeful. Not necessarily that State wins, just that Bama loses, okay? That's just, that's where I'm at in my fanhood right now is week to week, I just... I root that they lose. Um, it's time that they lose. It's time. Anyway, I'm always hopeful that they, that they would lose. I'm always hopeful that the Tigers would win, okay? But if you ask me, do you actually believe the Tigers will, will beat Bama? That's a totally different conversation. It's just it immediately it, it turns to eh. <laughs> not so much. The depth chart is ridiculous. They're stealing all of our recruits. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. But this is the life that we live. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I, nece I don't necessarily have faith that it's actually going to happen. You know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? So all of you who have been confused about faith and hope for all this time, you're like, oh, yes. Because you can take that and you can apply it to a lot of things. I'm hopeful that my marriage is going to make it, Right? I'm hopeful that life is going to turn out right, but it's like, do you actually have faith that it's going to like move forward? I don't know, because your faith can be really weak and still have hope, but you know what the Bible talks about is that when hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick, and so sometimes whenever hope begins to feel like it's being lost, our faith begins to waver as well. It's important that we see this because sometimes we're feeling or we're, we're approaching things or we're approaching it from a hopeful position, but not a faith-filled position. And whenever the Bible says that believers operate by faith, I think it's important that we look at our faith. I think it's important, how are we operating? What does this look like for us you know, in our lives? Is, do, we, do we have momentum in our lives? Do we have faith momentum in our life? You know, whenever you're watching sports, you feel, this, you feel the momentum swing sometimes, right? And uh, it's, it's actually a real thing that they study and they talk about. And actually, the Oxford Dictionary of Sports Science Okay, legitimate. They define psychological momentum as the positive or negative change in cognition affects physiology and behavior caused by an event or series of events that affects either the perceptions of the competitors or perhaps the quality of performance and the outcome of the competition. Positive momentum is associated with periods of competition such as a winning streak, you don't know what that is, in which everything just seems to go right for the competitors. In contrast, negative momentum is associated with periods such as losing streaks when everything just seems to go wrong. 
And again, we apply it to sports and we understand. We, we know what winning streaks looks like. We know, what, we know what losing streaks looks like. But a lot of times in our life, we're experiencing winning and losing streaks. There's no momentum. And you know what? Whenever I am winning, I have more faith to win more. And whenever I'm losing, my faith just doesn't seem to be there. Yeah, I might still have hope. But my faith, it's almost like I begin to just say, it just, it's just not going to go right. It's just nothing's going right. And then just... And then guess what? It's amazing how sometimes the things that you speak and the way that you think, the way that you faith in God, it almost like, it's, it, almost like it begins to happen more. It's like this downward spiral. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Maybe the Bible had, had a little, some truth in there when it talks about the way that we speak actually matters. The way that we think actually, actually matters. What is it about a room of people that come like this? Like last week, if you were at church in worship, there was just a spirit of faith in the place. There was just a momentum. I mean, you could have said anything. You could have sang anything and it didn't matter. There was faith there. Today, I believe that there's faith here, but it's a little bit different. What is the difference? I believe that it's right here. It's us. Come on, whenever you have faith in God, it does something. It activates the heart of God. That's why God is, he always speaks about it. And through his word, he talks about faith. And that's why Paul is pressing this issue. He's like, guys, look, you gotta, you gotta look at your faith. You gotta talk about your faith. You gotta be strong in your faith. He says this in verse two, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. In the days of old, he's about to go into the hall of faith that we, we kind of refer to it as that. He's about to talk about these people, that how, what it looked like when they operated in faith. But what he says is it actually caused them to stand out. They had a good reputation because of the faith that they operated in. It says their faith produced righteousness. The thing about the old and the new testament, the old and the new covenant, faith was the common denominator between both. In the Old Testament, people put their faith in God. In the New Testament, we put our faith in God. There's a lot of things that changed, right? Jesus changed a whole lot. But one thing did not change. It's the faith that we must operate in. He goes in verse three. He says, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It's one of those big subjects, creation. Who created the world? Did anybody create the world? Did something or did it just happen? And here, obviously, he just cuts straight to the chase. It says, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. I don't know where all of you are at in this room. I would have to assume that there's many of you here that completely believe that God created the heavens and the earth, right? I believe that there's some of you that are maybe on the fence about that. You believe that there's something possibly that did something. I don't, it's just, I, I don't know if it's necessarily how Genesis put it, but I just, I, and then there's some of you that would say, I'm an, I'm an atheist or I'm, I just believe that we kind of come from nothing. And a lot of times what we'll say whenever that happens is uh, I don't have faith in anything, right? I don't, I don't believe in anything. And um, I believe that that's a, a big point of deception because you know that we all have faith, Right? We, faith is not just a Bible thing. Faith is something that all of us have and it's something that we all, we're, we're all taking our faith, our belief, and we're placing it in something. And so I wanna challenge that thought first of all, because you know, if, if, if I don't believe that God created the heavens and the earth and I say that I, I just don't believe, I don't believe in anything, really what I'm saying is 
I'm choosing not to put my faith here, but I'm putting my faith here, right? I'm, I'm putting my trust into this train of thought. Uh, really, I'm either trusting my own train of thought, you know, with me. I'm either trusting what I believe, what I choose to believe, or I, I'm, I'm placing my trust in what the word of God says. And for me personally, I just feel a little bit more confident placing my belief system in something that's a little bit more concrete, such as the word of God, than my own thoughts, okay? My thoughts kind of tend to waver at times, all right? You know, we wonder and we waver. So the Bible says, let's not be like that. Let's not be like a ship tossed to and fro. But the whole concept that I just don't have faith in anything is really not a, a truth, truthful statement, because we all have faith in something. We all believe in something. We're all placing our hope in something. It's just kind of, where is that hope? Where is that faith? There's a, a guy named Alexander Ciaris, and he's actually the guy that, that helped uh, build and create the MRI. He, he wrote all the code for the MRI, uh, you know, which all of us talk about all the time, but you never know who actually builds these things and who makes these things. But he's a mathematician. And uh, he showed in a, a TED conference, if you ever watched any of those TED conferences uh, years ago, he showed uh, a, a project that he worked on. It was called From Conception to Birth. It'd be awesome for you to go check it out. But, uh, but, but, but he, I mean, this guy's brilliant, okay? He, he's way smarter than any of us in this room, okay? It's okay to admit that at times, that other people are smarter than you. You know, when you listen to someone speak and you just feel dumb, the more that you listen, you're just like, you are so much smarter than me. It's one of these guys. But this is what he said. I took some excerpts out of his speech, and this is what he said. He said, I remember one of the first times we were looking at collagen. So perfectly organized his structure, it was hard not to attribute divinity to it. Now, again, if you know, it's a big deal for anybody in the science community, community to admit or say anything about divinity or intelligent design or any of those things. Many people have been fired or barred or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? He says, uh, the magic of the mechanisms inside each genetic structure saying exactly where that nerve cell should go. The complexity of these, the mathematical models of, of how these things are indeed done are beyond human comprehension. Even though I'm a mathematician, I look at this with marvel of how do these instruction sets not make these mistakes as they build what is us? It's a mystery, it's magic, it's divinity. I love whenever people come up against a wall and the only thing is, yeah, God. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, like, it's like that wall of, a lot of people, yeah. A lot of people, are, a lot of Christians are scared of science. They're scared of discovery. Many of you are in this room right now, you're scared of it. Like, honestly, you, you would rather just, just lean back and you say, it's all my, I'm, I'm, I just have faith. I don't, need to, I don't need to hear all that. Versus saying, I have full faith <laughs> that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Let's discover it all. You know what I'm talking about? Like, let's discover it because it's all gonna point back to one name. It's all gonna point back to one creator. And it's our God, it's who we serve. See, having full confidence, it's not, I hope God created everything. It's, I know God created everything. And I'm leaning into that belief. My faith is strong in that. Don't fear those types of things. You know what I'm talking about? I think the church is scared of some stuff. I think we're, we, we don't like to engage in conversations. Guys, we have the spirit of God on the inside of us. Come on, let's stand up and be counted. Let's stand up and, and have faith in our God. 
I just think these types of things are really, really intriguing. I think it's awesome. I love, I love whenever people can't explain stuff and uh, we're sitting there with our old Bible, just like, well, it says right here that God created the heavens and the earth. So, uh, right? Come on. Then he goes on in chapter four. And it gives us examples of what it looks like to live by faith. And this is what's gonna happen right now. I'm about to rapid fire these, these stories off to you. So, so this might be something good for you to go back and reflect on later, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna mention their story. I'm gonna hit, hit a big one-liner about their story and then we're gonna move on. But he goes on in chapter four and he begins to give these examples of what it looked like. In, in verse four, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel and Cain, Adam and Eve's sons. Abel, Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his, his example of faith. How many of you have ever bought something and tried to put something together and didn't actually follow the instructions? At the end of it, it's wonky, it's weird. It's, you know, you're missing stuff. It's just, you go to sit in the chair and it falls to the right. You know what I'm saying? It's messed up. You know, God gave specific instructions to Abel and Cain on how to worship, how to offer things to him. And uh, Abel did what was right, Cain did not. And at the end of the day, Cain's offering was approved by God. It was affirmed by God and, Cable, uh, and, and Cain's was not. The thought is by faith, we live according to God's pattern. God has set out a pattern. He set out a principle in the way that we should live our lives. And by faith, we adhere to that. We live according to that. Whenever you live a life that's outside of the pattern that God has set, it will not go well with you. It will not go well. It may go well for a, a, a certain amount of time, okay? And I think that's the, the deception in it. It's, it's like, it's like for, for believers, I'm really committed to God. Like I'm really invested in the kingdom. And then as life goes on, other things come in that seem more important than that, okay? And I'm not just talking about serving in the church right now. I'm talking about your walk with God. Other things come in and begin to distract you from your call, the thing that God has put inside of you, and you begin to take a step back. And what happens as you take a step back, nothing falls apart, right? Nothing falls apart, like, like you're still good. And then you take another step back and you still feel okay. And like you're still living pretty well and, and it doesn't seem to be that bad. And you just keep that process going and it can take years and then all of a sudden you're the, the frog in the boiling water, right? You have backed away from God and now all of a sudden one day, something changes. And the things that used to matter don't matter as much. Like what if the Bible, man, it really didn't. What's happening? You're stepping outside of the pattern that God has set. Some of you have been, you've been banging your head up against a wall in your life. And you're like, it just doesn't ever seem to go right. I just, I, I'm totally confused. I just feel like nothing makes sense. Could it be that you're not living according to the pattern that God has set? And whenever we're left to ourselves, things get really confusing and chaotic. By faith, we live according to God's pattern. He goes on in verse five and six, he talks about Enoch, which is in Genesis chapter five, if you wanna check that out. But, but it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. That's a long story right there. We don't have time, all right? Without dying, he disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those that sincerely seek him. 
The thought is this, by faith we not only believe God exists, but we must sincerely seek a relationship with him. Okay, we believe in God, but can I encourage you to take a next step today and that's to actually pursue God, to actually pursue a relationship with him. That was, that was the whole plan of God. From the moment that everything was busted apart by sin, God has been seeking to become intimate with us again, to become close to us again. That's why he sent Jesus. Don't settle for just a head knowledge of God. Pursue a relationship with him. And it's so important that we do that. We do that by faith. He goes on, he talks about Noah. We all know Noah, right? It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Righteousness that comes by faith. Noah lived in crazy times. He had in a, a crazy obedience, okay? He, he, he was obedient to God whenever it literally made no sense in a crazy culture for a very, very long time, by the way. Like 120 years, he was building this boat. People were mocking him, making fun of him. Can you imagine how many times he questioned what was going on? Can you imagine how many times he had this hope because he had the word of God, but his faith might have suffered at times. Come on, he was a human being. Okay, let's not like make these guys bigger than just regular people. They're just like us. And he was struggling, but he continued to live by faith. And the point here is by faith, we must endure. By faith, you are gonna have to endure hardships. You're gonna have to endure uh, uh, your, your family turning on you. You're gonna have to endure a lot of things whenever you choose to follow Jesus. When you place your trust in him, you place your faith in him, you place your hope in him. Not everybody is cool with that. Not everybody, like you may lose some friends. It might happen. By faith, you must endure through the good and the bad. Goes on to Moses, he says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. A lot of times we talk about Moses in certain ways, but, but I wanna kind of bring a little bit of a different angle on Moses. And it's this, by faith, we must choose to ser serve others' needs rather than our own. Moses was set up. Moses had it nice, but Moses chose not to stay in that place. He chose, uh, I don't know, man, I, I, I don't know what I would do if I was in Moses' place. I mean, you got everything that you need. You got everything that you want. But God starts, was stirring something in him. His identity was, I'm not an Egyptian. There's something different about me, and he couldn't shake it. And at the end of the day, what he chose to do was serve others. I want to encourage us. Sometimes serving others is not the easiest thing to do. Most of the time, serving others is not the easiest thing to do because it takes our time, it takes our energy, it takes our life. Like we could have everything going really well, but to serve others is to get yourself out of that position of comfort and it's going well and putting yourself in the mess with somebody else and saying, hey man, I'm gonna sacrifice this time. Hey man, I'm gonna come to your house. Hey, I'm gonna help you through that. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about you enough to text you and say, hey bro, how you doing? 
Like, I'm gonna serve you in whatever way I can. A few weeks ago, we had somebody in our church that they're, 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 uh, one of their family members was paralyzed and no ramp to their house. And you know what I did? I text some guys. Now, look, I'm not a carpenter. I'm not, it's bad, all right? You don't want me to cut any. I, I helped you with Tom with some flooring and... <clears throat> No, no, no. So if you ask me, hey, can you come build something? I'm gonna be like, no, I can't. And it's not because I don't want to, it's because I literally can't, okay? So I had to make a phone call to some guys. And you know what those guys did? They rallied some people together. They made all the plans, they purchased the stuff, they went out and they burned a day and they built a ramp for somebody. That's serving someone that cannot do anything in return because it has nothing to do with the return. Jesus gave his life, served us without anything in return. Actually, in return, a lot of people reject it, mock it. We have got to have it in us to continue to serve people. And it's by faith that we do this. The last example I'm gonna cover right now is is Rahab. In verse 31, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in Jericho, in her city, who refused to obey God. This was a woman who was a prostitute who was just the in this time, especially just the bottom of the bottom. There was no winning going on. There was no momentum, okay, going on in her life. But something changed whenever she protected the spies who came in and God actually protected her physically, kept her alive whenever everybody else died. And I think it's crazy that later on in life, Jesus was right down the line in her family. I think it's just phenomenal. I think it's phenomenal. And the point of that is this, By faith, we must walk with God despite our story in order to create a God story. Some of you today are in this place and your story is really bad, okay? There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of just nasty stuff that you would never want anybody to know about. And I wanna let you know today that your story's not done, okay? It's not not over with. You are not defeated. You have hope. His name is Jesus Stand up today. Come on, shame is, is, is a crazy thing. We make mistakes and we become shameful. And then we, we, we will not engage with or, or press forward to the very thing that will help us find healing. It's this deceptive cycle. And today, if you're in this place, you look at this woman, you're like, wow, that's pretty messed up. But yet God still loved her and still redeemed her. Maybe he could do the same for me. Yes, yes. but it's by faith. It's how we operate. We operate by faith. And there's so many other stories that he goes into and he says this in verse 32. How much more do I need to say? He said, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Jephthah, uh, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. This is important. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Whenever you're in a battle, that's whenever you're being tested. It doesn't mean that you're being defeated. When you're going through things, that's whenever you find a strength that's in you that you didn't know was there. And it's by faith that you find that strength. 
the prosperity message that says, if I follow God and I follow Jesus, that it works out and I always feel good and it just always just happens perfectly and I'm on a constant winning streak is a lie from the enemy because what it causes you to do is whenever you hit a wall, you doubt God. We cannot be a church that believes that because we believe in God that everything just works out. It doesn't. We will encounter sickness. We will encounter defeat at times. But we have got to be a people whose faith is in God and that we stand up whenever we fall down. We cannot be shaken by what we see. I'm telling you. Now, there's two sides to this because you can be shaken by things that are outside of your life, outside of your family. You can be shaken by the things that you see in politics, in the world war, these things shake you. But a lot of times, can I be honest with you? I don't think that that's really what shakes us to the core. We, we just all, I mean, we just talk about Veterans Day, right? With the veterans, people are out there protecting us. So we feel safe in regards to that to a certain extent, okay? The things that I believe really tear us apart and tear us down, a lot of stuff that's internal, it's fear, fear for our family, fear for our kids, fear, is it gonna work out? And what happens is it's an internal battle because we come to church and come on, how many of you today, you're just like walking around in the, in the meet and greet time. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's good, it's good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, things are great. And internally in worship, you were crying and weeping because you're just so, you're just freaking out. We're really good at being fake. We're really good at it. But that doesn't bring healing. Some of you are struggling deep inside your heart today. Can I encourage you to begin to seek God and say, God, would you build up my faith in you? Because a lot of times we still have hope, but when our faith begins to fail, that's the day in, day out. When our faith begins to fail, our faith begins to fail in who God is and who he says he is and what he will do. And he doesn't say that he's always gonna bail you out, but he does say that he will be with you. He'll be with you. The struggle makes you stronger. We don't like that kind of stuff, but it's true. The struggle will make you stronger. Some of you are weak today. You're going through some things. Change your perception. Change your perspective in your fight. You're going to go through stuff, but I'm telling you, it's those moments that you have a, an opportunity to grow in your faith. The Bible talks about that's where our faith is really tested in trials, but it produces perseverance in us. We need perseverance, guys. We need perseverance in our walks with God. He goes on, and, and all those things were the victories. Those were the good things. But then he says, verse 35, women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips, others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Sounds like a, just a great promise, right? How many of you want to follow Jesus? Yes, your back might get opened up by a whip. Not so much anymore. I'm going to back off that statement. You know what I'm talking about? He says they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. 
So they were too good for it, but they still had to endure it. I wanna ask you a question. Are we people who live by faith in victory as much as we do in defeat? Think about it. It's the testing of our faith. It's the testing of our trust in God that shows us and really reveals to us what we're made of. Do y'all agree with that? Come on, a relationship with somebody can be super positive. And it just is great. That's why honeymoons are so great. But when you get back, that's where the testing begins. That's where the testing begins. And it's not always fun. But man, as you walk through things, guess what happens? Your marriage gets stronger and it's sweeter. It takes a lot of work, but it's a testing. Are we people of, who live by faith and victory as much as defeat? And he goes on in verse 39, all these people, they earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God has something better in mind for us, come on, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Jesus was coming, right? Then he goes on, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, huge crowd, these people that went through all these things, almost you got to picture them, they're just around you, they're just rooting you on. Come on, they're like, you can make it. You can make it, but my bank account's a little low. That's really not that big of a deal, <laughs> right? Oh, y'all didn't really laugh at that one. Your bank account being low, come on. Is your back being opened by a whip? I don't think so. We need some perspective, y'all. We need some perspective. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that is rooting us on. He says this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's our hope, y'all. Our hope is Jesus. That's it. It's not just a strong military. It's not a good economy. That's not our hope, y'all. Let's set our eyes on what matters. Your hope is not on retiring at a certain age and having a, a great nest egg. It's good to plan, don't get me wrong. It's not your hope, it's a goal. We're talking about something a little bit deeper. Our hope is in Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. I got two statements I wanna wrap up with today. Because Jesus is the greatest example of faith. And like Jesus, we live by faith because we, we will receive the rewards of righteousness and eternity. We receive the rewards of righteousness and eternity. Today, many of you today, you're, you're, you're struggling. You're struggling, you, you, you feel lost, you feel empty, you feel shame, some of the things I was saying earlier. And today, I wanna encourage you to turn your eyes to Jesus, to place your hope in God. It's the only thing that stands the test of time. It's the only thing that centers you whenever everything around you is chaotic. Your faith in God, it's the only thing that makes sense whenever nothing makes sense. And in this place, I think that all of us, whether we are a believer in God or not, can, can, can be challenged by that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in this place today and you know that your hope is not in Jesus, 
You know that you don't have a relationship with God. I wanna challenge you today. I wanna encourage you to reach out. God's hand of grace is extended to each and every one of us in this place, no matter how far you are away from him. That's what Jesus came to change. Jesus came to set up a path that didn't exist before. He opened up heaven to all of us. And all we have to do is put our faith in him, our assurance in him. That's what God's listening for. He's listening for it. The Bible says a broken and a contrite heart, he will not deny. If you're in this place and you want a relationship with God, I just wanna pray with you, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but if that's you, would you lift your hand up high right now? Come on, all over the room. I see you, I see you, yep, yep, right here in the middle. Yep, come on, see in the back, yep. Come on, all over this place, making a decision to follow God. His grace is sufficient for you. I see you over here. Anybody else? Today, God's gonna renovate your heart, transform your thinking. We're gonna pray right now. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of putting our faith in God and repenting, which repenting just means turning from. Today, some of you are gonna repent from a life of hopelessness, a life of putting your faith in yourself. But today you're gonna turn and put your faith in God. Let's pray together. God, I come before you. God, I give you all that I am. Jesus, right now I humble myself. God, you know my story, you know my life. God, you know the inconsistencies, the successes and the failures. And today, God, I lay it all at your feet. I give you all that I am. God, I am tired of trying to do this on my own. It just hasn't made sense up till now. But today, God, I place my hope in Jesus. I place my hope in eternity with you. And today, God, I ask that you forgive me of my sin. God, I repent of all unrighteousness. And right now I receive your righteousness to cover a multitude of sin. Your grace that forgives, I receive it right now. I thank you for your goodness. God, I pray that I'd walk out this place different, changed with a new perspective, a new hope set on you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Change my heart, God. Remove that heart of stone that doesn't hear you or know you and place inside of me a heart that does. I love you and I thank you for your goodness and your grace for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, a lot of people gave their hearts to God today. Can we give it up for them? If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.